Ethical Storytelling Podcast, Series 2. I'm Heidi Berkey. And I'm Rachel Goble. And this is the Ethical Storytelling Podcast. Gotta keep it fun. (laughs) Welcome to the Ethical Storytelling Podcast. We're part of a community of nonprofit practitioners and storytellers learning how to integrate a new standard of storytelling. In this podcast, we bring you stories from the field. Each guest shares their unique viewpoint, as well as their personal successes and growth in the pursuit of ethical storytelling. Today, we get to sit down with Michael Cass, the founder for the Center of Story and Spirit, a Los Angeles-based project that grew out of his passion for helping people and organizations discover and harness the power of their stories to create change. And say, if you are about helping people lead more complete, self-sufficient lives, then that means that you're actually working with an entire human being, not just their challenge, right? And it doesn't mean that they don't have challenges. It just means finding ways to acknowledge their humanity before you define them in, in terms of that challenge. In this episode, Michael shares when he first realized the power of story and gives practical tools for practitioners to create a storytelling culture within their organizations and with their supporters. So grab a pen and paper and take a listen. Hello. Hello. Working. We're finally connected. Yay. I was just jamming to the Skype song as it was ringing you. <laughs> oh, it's the best. So where in the world are you right now? I just got to Istanbul a couple hours ago. I was in Oslo for a few days for a conference and uh, have some friends and business connections in Istanbul. So I'm here doing work. But also last time I was here, I was working so much that I didn't get to, a chance to experience the city at all. So this time... I've got five days and only a couple things to do, so I'm mostly excited to explore. Amazing. Well, thank you for yeah. sharing a little bit of your time with me. Of course. We will just dive right in, get going Let's on do it. questions. So I'd love for you to give a little bit of background about yourself, who you are, and what you're doing these days. Absolutely. So I'm Michael Cass, and I recently founded something called the Center for Story and Spirit. And that work has grown out of about 20 years of work that really started in the grassroots nonprofit sector, doing everything from fundraising to uh, program development, financial management consulting, grant writing, major gifts fundraising, kind of the whole ecosystem of what it meant to run a nonprofit. And I did that across sectors. So it wasn't just one type of nonprofit. I worked for major arts organizations, a science museum, grassroots, uh, drop-in center for homeless youth in Hollywood, health clinics, all across the board. And as I was working with those organizations, I, I realized a few things. The first was that nonprofits generally are full of really wonderful people doing amazing things who are terrible about talking about what they do. And that really stood out to me because in addition to my, all my work with nonprofits, I was also a professional storyteller, uh, sort of going around sharing personal narratives and really experiencing firsthand how powerful good storytelling can be. And so 
eventually I transitioned my work to really be about what it means to tell powerful stories in nonprofits, not just for fundraising and marketing, but also for strategy within the organization, for finding ways to collaborate and communicate differently internally as well as externally. So it started as an idea that was focused on communication has become much more about transforming not just the way we communicate, but also the internal culture of the organizations. I think I want to take you back just a little bit um, Mm -hmm. and kind of break down when did storytelling become a part of your language and even why did it integrate into the nonprofit world that you were working in? Absolutely. So storytelling became part of my language. I can't remember a time when it hasn't been. Mm. Right. I remember growing up, um, my dad, who, by the way, is a, a very energetic and terrible storyteller. <laughs> uh, he's riveting and um, there's really no plot to what he says. But he would I remember we would go on camping trips with my with my school and he would hold everybody absolutely spellbound just around the campfire making up stories And so that was really my first exposure to how powerful storytelling can be. And then when I was working at nonprofits, there were more than a few instances where when I was giving a tour, for example, when I was at uh, this wonderful organization called My Friend's Place in Hollywood, the one that works with uh, youth who have been living on the streets, uh, my job, part of it was to give tours of the organization. And what I realized very early on is that people didn't really care about the statistics or the metrics. What they cared about was the stories of the young people that they were, that we worked with. Mm -hmm. And that was shown so vividly time and time again, when I would give a tour and afterwards I wouldn't really even need to ask for a contribution because they were so moved and really could feel the stories and the humanity of these young people that they wanted to contribute in some way. And so very often we would sit down and I'd be ready to make an ask and they'd say, tell us what you need. How can we be useful to you? Was there a moment where the way that you told stories shifted for you? A little bit. It was less a shift and more a growing of awareness. Mm -hmm. And again, this was primarily working when I was working in the healthcare sector and then also, again, with vulnerable populations, specifically the young people at my friend's place. Um, the first day I started at my friend's place, I remember the associate executive director who had been head of all of their clinical services for years and years and years, um, you know, took me aside and said, look, we have a very simple mandate when it comes to storytelling, no kids in cardboard boxes, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's the Mm -hmm. very stereotypical image. If you think of a young person living on the streets, they're under cardboard, they're shivering. And my friend's place, and this was 10 years ago already was dedicated to telling stories that were about empowering and strengthening the young people they worked with, because that was in fact their mission, right? And so before I even thought of it as ethical storytelling, I was challenging myself and being challenged to say, well, what does it mean to tell stories kind of in collaboration with these young people? Mm -hmm. And it might not be the stereotypical nonprofit story. So it was less a less a shift and more a a gradual expanding of awareness. Because I was always aware, you know, from from day one, that the standard nonprofit story that, you know, emphasized somebody's challenge. So in healthcare, it would be, you know, Jenny was 
was really sick and couldn't find anywhere else to go. Her life was falling apart, but then she came to our clinic and now she's better give us money. That never felt right Mm -hmm. because it it dehumanized whoever the client was or whoever the patient, whoever the person was by defining them in terms of their challenge instead of in terms of who they are as a human being. And how do you go or how would a nonprofit go about making that shift and finding Mm -hmm. the story that isn't the need or driven by the need? Yeah, Yeah, it's... There's a couple of ways. One is to simply build awareness and say, if you are about helping people lead more complete, self-sufficient lives, then that means that you're actually working with an entire human being, not just their challenge, right? And it doesn't mean that they don't have challenges. It just means finding ways to acknowledge their humanity before you define them in in terms of that challenge. Um, And there's a few ways to do it. The easiest and this works better with some folks than with others, is to ask them, to involve them, the people you're working with and the people whose stories you're telling, involve them in the storytelling process from day one, right? Because they are the experts on their situation. And there's amazing questions you can ask that go far beyond the normal, uh, tell us your story or how have we helped your life? And those questions are things like, hey, what surprised you most in your work with us? Or even... What story, you know, this is for a newsletter or this is for a a fundraising appeal. What story would you like our contributors or the people who are in our community to know about you so that they can understand our work better, Mm -hmm. right? So it really is about bringing people together in the process. Yeah. And for you, it sounds like it wasn't necessarily you just started thinking about ethical storytelling. It was kind of a, a gradual process. But if you were to think about an, a nonprofit who is really just adapting to this conversation and to wanting to shift the way that they're approaching story, how would you suggest they go from thinking about it, getting it, to actually implementing it into the work that they mm-hmm. do? Yeah. So there's there's a few ways. The first is look beyond the obvious story, right? And mm-hmm. that means if it feels like the story is too easy, then it's probably too easy. The other, and this is this is a concrete, I'll, I'll go broad with it and then talk about a couple concrete ways they can do this, is start to integrate storytelling into the culture of the organization. Because one of the reasons that this Uh, oversimplified storytelling practices take place is that storytelling lives with fundraising and marketing. And so maybe once a quarter or once a month, the fundraising and marketing staff, which might be in a lot of nonprofits, one person runs over to the program staff and sort of badgers them for a story. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that does a few things. One, it sets up a, a potentially tense relationship between fundraising and the rest of the organization. And the other is, it means you're not actually leaving space for these stories to breathe and evolve and be human. If that storytelling culture, the idea of story as not just a communication tactic, but also the basic building block of community is inserted and integrated into the organization, then that tension tends to disappear. You just start thinking about story differently because it's always present. And a really concrete, low barrier way to do that is to simply start every staff meeting and board meeting uh, by giving somebody the opportunity, a staff member 
or a board member or even a client uh, the opportunity to share a story because it anchors everything in this shared humanity. Um, and I've, I've talked to several organizations who've implemented just that, and they've seen not just their culture shift, but also those stories have led to conversations that actually revealed some strategic opportunities for them, right? So it, it went very quickly, and this was within six months. It went very quickly from, um, okay, we'll try this exercise because Michael said it would be a good idea to, oh, this has real value and is shifting the way that we think and operate. I love that. It's it's putting an importance on story outside of marketing. It's just making it part of a language and of, a, of dialogue on the daily basis, uh, which obviously will influence what you end up creating. I think that's a huge point to make. Exactly. So say a nonprofit is, or someone in that marketing sector is in a nonprofit that maybe has a culture that does tend to verge towards the easy, chewable stories um, and, or has a long-standing tradition of a certain way of telling stories. How would you encourage someone to even begin the process of, of trying to get others on board with this idea mm-hmm. of approaching things in a more ethical way? Totally. You know, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's a couple of answers. One is there's, there's actually research out there that shows that when you create, I call it a storytelling culture, but you can call it, a, there's all sorts of other names for it, but this kind of culture where everybody's story is valued from the, the bottom of the organization all the way to the top, that you actually see your bottom, your financial bottom line increase. The challenge with that is that if somebody doesn't already believe what that data shows, the data will not convince them. Mm -hmm. So the way to start to shift the way of thinking is actually through direct experience. And there's an exercise that I have on my website. uh, It's called story circles and it's, it's pretty straightforward to facilitate. Um, And so it's one of the most direct ways that people within an organization or within any community can experience each other as fully human in a very short period of time. And usually once people have had the experience of that, they're hungry for more and they're curious to know, okay, well, that was interesting. How else could we use that? And then there's a whole toolbox that, that's available to them. Um, the tricky part can sometimes getting people to opt in to the experience on the front end. Mm-hmm. I actually want to dive into a little bit of your trainings and workshops. Tell me what types of things you do around this idea of ethical storytelling and, and helping nonprofits get to a place where they're integrating that? Absolutely. So it's, you know, the first, the, the entry level workshop before we even get to ethical storytelling is usually a straight up storytelling workshop. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is that a lot of people, we all use this word storytelling and story um, all the time. But if you get 15 different people who work in an organization in a room and you ask them to define story, you'll get 15 different definitions, mm-hmm. right? So before, before we can even start talk about ethical storytelling, we have to arrive at a shared understanding of what story is, how it functions, and what even makes a powerful story. So once we've done that within the realm of ethical storytelling, uh, the, I, I've offered and designed a work, like a, a one-off workshop that really introduces the key concepts of ethical storytelling, looks and examines some of the, the, the nuances that are beyond 
what you may think of when you think of ethical storytelling in nonprofits and the the impacts that go beyond just, well, this is the right thing to do. So for example, if somebody tells one of these simplistic nonprofit stories and puts it out in the world, not only does that sometimes strip the humanity from the people that they work with, it also creates what could be an unrealistic expectation of what success looks like for that organization out mm-hmm. in the community. Because if we're only telling stories about, for example, you know, Jenny went from nothing to now having a PhD through our programs, then the expectation that's created in the minds of our audience, whether our audience is contributors or volunteers, board members or, or foundations, the expectation is that that is the success that everybody will have. And the reality is that in most of our organizations, success is much more incremental. It happens in the small day-to-day interactions, right? And so that in itself is an ethical dilemma. And it, we're shooting ourselves in the foot sometimes when we're, when we're telling these stories. So we examine a lot of stuff like that in the workshop, and it ends with some concrete tools that people can give. Now, the challenge with that, like you said earlier, is that sometimes there's a deeply entrenched culture at the organizations. And so once folks have had the ethical storytelling training, I'm also available for coaching and sometimes even uh, a little bit of consulting in terms of helping them build the ethical storytelling muscle, helping them build the partnerships with the community so that they can have a strong foundation going forward. You've obviously dedicated your life to something that is clearly what you're passionate about and and helping nonprofits kind of direct their storytelling. Why is this important to you? Why does it matter? It's it's so important for several reasons. And first, I want to kind of step back and say it's not just nonprofits. I was just at a kind of tech future fest conference in Norway, where there were a lot of social impact investors and social entrepreneurs there as well. I think it's anyone who's in the the business of building a more just and vibrant world, what, however they want to define that. Mm. And the reason I think it's so important is because there has, for the past however long, decades, if not longer, been this kind of savior complex in the nonprofit sector where And there's no malice behind it, right? It's very well-meaning people who go into communities that they don't know much about and kind of impose solutions on it. And that shows up in the storytelling, in this kind of simplistic storytelling. Now, there's a few ways to change that culture. One is to say, we're going to shift the culture. And that's really hard to do. If you go to people and you say, you've been doing this wrong, here's the right way. That's really hard. What's easier is if you come in through the lens of story. Right. Because what we're moving towards, and this is all uh, partially enabled by new technologies and and new ways of reaching people, is away from this very traditional top down form of storytelling to a more collective, co-created way of building narratives. And like we were talking about earlier, those narratives aren't just marketing and communications. Those narratives are actually the DNA of the solutions that you're building. And so it's so important to me because I really believe that the way that we shift culture and we shift society isn't by an organization coming in and doing good work. It's a, it's by creating and co-creating these conversations out of which these new strategies spring. And everything I've seen and experienced and heard talking to amazing people now all over the world indicates that the folks who are really making a difference are taking that co-creative approach. 
and to be a part of that conversation and and helping build it and facilitate it with amazing people is is the most fulfilling thing that I could possibly imagine. In your work, what are some of the most common questions or challenges that people present to you when they're when they're trying to move forward and grow in their storytelling? Yeah, I, the biggest challenge I think is that conceptually this stuff isn't hard. In practice, it can be really challenging for people because we're asking folks to think a little bit more deeply than they have been and a little bit differently than they have been. And when we do that, there's some stumbling blocks at the beginning. And so the most common question I get is, this is great. I I totally, I think I get it. How do I do it? Right? Mm -hmm. What are the concrete tools? And so that's why I've tried, there's the ethical storytelling brief um, that I know the ethicalstorytelling.com is sent out uh, and and is available on my website and a few other places. I've tried to lay it out really concretely, not just what the challenges are, but also what the solutions are. Mm. And so the idea is to create a community of practice for folks so that when those questions do come up, they don't have to necessarily just come to me or another consultant or a coach. They can actually come to each other because that's also part of this co-creation. The more that we're all speaking the same language and using the same vocabulary, the more likely it is that it catches on and starts to transform the sector. Yeah, I love that you touched on that because I was even thinking sometimes it's not even the barrier of getting your organization on board with storytelling, but also helping your audience, your supporters to shift their expectations when it comes to stories and connecting with the people um, that you're working with. And do you have That's any? So huge. Do you have any suggestions about that, or do you think it's just those incremental? <clears throat> things, incremental shifts that you keep making? I do. This came up in a workshop just a couple weeks ago uh, where an organization um, was kind of mad at me because they had changed their way of storytelling very quickly and were getting (laughs) negative feedback from their community. Hmm. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Well, tell me how you rolled it out. Like, what did it look like when you started approaching story in this new way? And they, they kind of looked at me and they went, well, we didn't, we just did it. You know, we didn't pave the way. And I went, oh, there's there's where you ran into trouble. Um, I think part of it is just as we want to respect the the storytellers that we're working with, we also want to respect our community. And so the the most effective way I've seen in in helping them shift with us is by being very transparent and saying, hey, we're going to be telling stories that are a little bit different now. Here's here's why. And we're happy to answer questions and have, and have conversations about this because it's important to us, right? So in the same way that we want to be very transparent and collaborative with our storytellers, we want to open that door to conversation with our community and be ready to lead them on the same journey we've been on in terms of building our awareness and, and building our muscle around ethical storytelling. But yeah, that, that definitely comes up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you have to invest just as much in creating a story telling environment um, and helping define language with your with your supporters as much as the storytellers. Exactly. Mm. That's exactly right. In addition to all of the resources you have, uh, which we now have connected on the ethicalstorytelling.com website, what other practical resources, books, anything do you recommend for practitioners Mm-hmm. There, there are a few. So there's a wonderful book by a woman named Annette Simmons 
called The Story Factor that came out, I think, in the 90s that really breaks down. It's the best primer I've seen just on the power of story in general. Mm. Um, and the, the other one that I really love is called Wired for Story uh, by Lisa Cron. And it really goes into the neuroscience of story. And the reason that I love it is because it really hammered home for me, oh, when we're telling stories, this isn't just a fun game. We're actually appealing to something that is hardwired into our DNA. And when we realize that we're essentially hijacking people's brains with these stories, there's a phenomenon called neural coupling that happens. If I'm telling a story and I'm doing it well, your brain is going to start doing the same thing that my brain is doing. And so when you, when you realize the, the actual measurable power that these stories have, it can't help but change your attitude towards them, right? Mm -hmm. um, so those are two that I love. On, on my end, there's a couple of resources that I make available to people just for free um, on the website. One is a guide. Earlier I mentioned story circles. So I actually created, I think it's a 20-page story circle guide that takes people step-by-step step through the process of facilitating these exercises. So again, they can introduce it in their own organization. Uh, it's a pretty low barrier to entry thing. And what I love about story is that we've been doing it since we've the beginning of communication. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to break it. Uh, so it, it really is just about having a structure. And the other one is a, a guide about building leadership stories, which takes you step by step through the process of finding and crafting your own personal narratives of connection to the work you're doing in the world. Amazing. And if someone did want to work with you directly, what's the best way for them to approach you about that? Absolutely. So the first thing I'd say is, is check out my website so you can learn a little bit more about my story and get a sense of the energy I bring to the work. Uh, and that website is www.storyandspirit.org. Um, if you're feeling especially daring and ready to jump in, the best way is just email me, which is michael at michaelcass.co. Well, is there anything else that you weren't able to share on the webinar we haven't covered today that you would like to share with this community? Nothing specific. I just, I'm really grateful that this community exists because for a while it felt like I was kind of waving this flag on my own. Mm -hmm. And so I was so excited to find that there are other people engaged in this conversation. And the other thing that's so inspiring is I've had conversations just like the one we just had uh, with folks over the past few days who are investors, who are uh, human rights lawyers, who are in the world of technology, and everyone is engaging in this conversation right now. It's very much in the atmosphere. And so it's so great to have this space, to have these conversations and to support each other. Well, we are so grateful that you have kept carrying on even when you were lonely waving the flag because we're joining <laughs> with you. And thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate your time and I hope you enjoy Assemble. Thanks very much. It was a pleasure. That's our show for today. Thanks for taking time to listen and explore what it means to ethically tell stories. You can learn more about Michael's work at storyandspirit.org. When you're done with that, make sure to visit ethicalstorytelling.com for more practical resources on ethical storytelling, including blog posts, new podcasts, and upcoming webinars. 
And most of all, tell your friends about ethical storytelling. It's small and a labor of love, and we all do this because we want to see change. So help us spread the word with your family and friends. Before we say goodbye, we'd love to thank everyone that helped on the show this week. To you all, the listeners, for tuning in. Kyle Hara for editing each episode. Lauren Ellis for web support. And music by Broke for Free. Be sure to join us next week with our guest Kat Mungau, a scholarship recipient of The Freedom Story, as she shares her unique perspective on what it's like to have your story told. We'll see you next week.